The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. You're listening to the Underdog Sports NBA Show with host Tyler Laurie and Zandrick Ellison. Brought to you by Underdog Sports. Tune in every week as Tyler and Zan recap the biggest storylines and news in the NBA. Welcome to episode 153 of the Underdog Sports NBA show. I am Tyler Laurie and I'm joined as always by my co-host out in La La Land, Zandrick Ellison. Zan, how are you today? I'm doing well. I'm in the basketball capital of the world. All eyes are on Los Angeles. Yeah, what odds do you think you could have gotten at the beginning of the playoffs that neither LA team would get out of the first round? Had to be low. Oh, yeah. I mean, the odds of that. I mean, I, I think the well, is it, we could have had the actual numbers, but I would guess that probably 75% chance people thought the Clippers would win, if not higher. Definitely higher. And the Lakers, the what, 70% chance as well, I would say. Yeah. I, I mean, know. that one might have been closer. But I said maybe Clippers 85, Lakers 70% chance. Yeah, it's interesting to see like the markets correct now after. So we're recording on a Monday, Sunday, four games, uh, some some pretty good games, I would say. It's it's still incredibly wild to watch the Brooklyn Nets play when <laughs> Kyrie, KD, and James Harden <laughs> all play well. It, it, it's like insane. Well, and yeah, it's not LA bias. I, mean, I think we're you're similarly surprised that those are the two best most competitive series because like Philly's gonna roll Brooke. I mean, Milwaukee sweeping Miami is really surprising. Yeah, the me. Hawks are, the Hawks are up three, one, the Brooklyn's up three, one and the Sixers. I would expect by the time people hear this podcast on Tuesday, that the Sixers have swept the wizards. So and if they don't, it doesn't really matter. It, right? does, it just doesn't four or for one. Russ is Russ is injured and you know, him playing injured is, is bad. He tries to do too much normally. And then when he's hurt, he tries to do even more and that's never good. So I I mean, we should start in the West because we do still have, there, there are three, two, two series in the West and then Utah is two, one and they play Monday night. And again, you'll hear this Tuesday, but they play Monday night and they're up two to one. So you could potentially have four, two, two series when you wake up on Tuesday morning in the Western Conference, and I'm not sure that we expected that. And I, and I know for a fact, you know, I, I think that when we recorded last week, there was some legitimate signs of worry for both the Mavericks and the Lakers. And now, I, I mean, those series are pretty much, I would say both are a coin flip, although Bovada has the Lakers, or has the Clippers at minus 360. Well, you know what's funny? There was, it felt like not with us, because I think we were clinging to like the sort of like Clippers are the, still a really good team. It felt like there was finally like this, like sky is falling, especially when they yeah. went down 2 0, even when they were down 1 0. Honestly. honestly, they were down, they were down 19 on the road in game three with a chance for like Dallas to really like throw a knockout punch. And they kind of slow played it a little bit. They took Luke out of the game early in this third quarter and Clippers made an adjustment and came back and won that game. And now I, I mean, I'm not a momentum guy by any means, Sam, but it does feel like the well, Clippers have adjusted. Right. And and there's, you don't want to call it momentum, but it's a, there's like some two factors, I think. One is like variance, you know, just with three-point shooting. Like the yeah. Dallas was super hot. 
And then they shot um, five for 30 on Sunday from three, yeah. which is, you know, I, saw I wouldn't really say good, that's regression, but it's like. No, but I saw a really interesting stat that said, I, I, I should quote it, the person, I, I, I can't. Off the top take, of my head. Just take credit for it. It's totally fine. <laughs> I, I crunch the numbers myself. And there's the stat where it's sort of like expected field goal percentage, effective yeah. field goal percentage yeah. based on the kind of quality shots you're getting. And they said the first two games, clip, I mean, Mavs were about, it would have been about 48%. And the second two games, about 48%. In terms of the actual, it was about, they shot effective field goal 66% in the first two games. Oh, wow. And then it came down to about 48% where it was supposed to be. And Ty Lue like alluded to that after the game two. He's like, look, they're just hitting a lot of shots. I don't expect that to continue. Although the other thing I would give him a lot of credit for, I do think they adjusted pretty well. Um, like benching Zubak, going small. They're not going to get beaten on switches as badly. Kind of going with this sort of, I don't even know if it's small ball, it's sort of like medium ball, um, you know, with Batum and Marcus Morris and, and Paul George. These guys I mean, are all two, like six, eight and above. Yeah, and two straight games where Patrick Beverly's played like five minutes, right? He, he's basically yeah. out of the rotation. So it's but, like, that's what I mean by like medium balls. Like get rid of your small, get rid of your big, and just like even the playing field. Yeah, and you can, afford, you can afford to play Rondo in that sense too because of his length and his size. He can, he can be your smallest right. guy. Whereas Beverly... Who is a very good defender? He is, you know, six two, six three. It's a little bit more difficult for him, especially if he's not going to create. And so, well, and that, that's why I do think small ball is like a misnomer because like, the Clippers' wings are like Paul George's. What is he like six nine, six ten? Yeah, I mean, and they're they're like, playing like yeah. Of this lineup yesterday, that played everybody that played. Marcus Morris played twenty nine minutes for them on Sunday, twenty nine minutes and thirty seconds, and then everyone had played over thirty. But it's. Batum is like close to 6'9, Kawhi's 6'8, 6'9, Paul George is 6'9, Reggie Jackson's a legitimate 6'5 and very, and very long. long. Yeah. And Marcus and that's Morris is 6'9. And those they're playing, those guys all played 30 plus minutes. And I don't mean to compare the two offensively, but defensively, like the Warriors, you know, everyone's like they're playing small, Draymond at center, but like average height wise, they were one of the tallest teams because you have Clay, who's very tall, you have Kevin Durant, who's obviously very tall. Um, I mean, even when they were playing Iguodala and Sean Livingston, those were two guards that were six seven. So yeah, I, I think it's definitely the way to go. I'm not a basketball it, expert, despite the podcast, but like, don't you agree? Like, I'd rather have everyone six eight. I mean, we already we've talked about this a bunch. Like, you want to take shots on wings because they can just always play, right? Like, if you can make a shot and you can defend your position, you can always play. And I think it puts Dallas in a tough spot because I mean, Lucas been fantastic, right? Just just no arguments. He's just been awesome. And they wasted an amazing performance from him in game three, where he goes for like, I think he had like 44, nine and nine, but he has specifically been incredible. Like he's averaging 33, eight and eight, and he's playing a million minutes. And you could tell in game four, like this neck and kind of like nerve thing, like it it definitely bothered him. And to his credit, like he's very similar guy to like Harden or LeBron, like he's going to try to play every minute he can, but you know, if they don't get production from somebody else, like he's definitely good enough to win, you know, a game, two games, three games, win a series himself. But it's going to be really hard against a team like the Clippers that just has so many bodies to throw at him if other guys aren't making shots. And, you know, that's kind of been the biggest difference is that in games one and two, you know, Tim Hardaway played really well. They got good minutes from Josh Richardson, got really good minutes from Willie Cauley-Stein, which was kind of odd that you wouldn't really expect to see that. And now the Clippers are just kind of like, all right, well, we're not going to play Zubak a lot of minutes like, we're not going to play Pat Bev. There's not going to be guys on the court that can't make open shots. Reggie Jackson's become a pretty good open three-point shooter. And, like, now it's just really hard for Dallas, I think, because the Clippers can shrink the court. Dallas doesn't really get out and run. Luka wants to play slow anyway. And now all of a sudden, like you said, everybody can pretty much guard anybody. And it's not a huge right. deal. 
And we're seeing Kawhi like offensively be the guy that he's like could be the best player. You know, he's like yeah. mini Durant or whatever. Him, him and him and Paul George, like this, all the yeah. playoff P stuff. Like Paul George has been great through four games. Like he's and, been fantastic. And you know, give credit to Ty Lue. Every you know, there's this sort of perception because he was a player. Maybe it's slightly a racist thing too, where it's like he's a player's coach. You know, he's consistently done a pretty good job adjusting in the playoffs. Going back to the Cavs, yeah, um, he's always been and, pretty good at that. Yeah, and going forward, it does worry me a little bit for the Clippers if Ibaka is just not going to be healthy and Beverly's just not the same guy he was five years ago. I definitely think Ibaka just them deciding like, hey, he's not healthy is better for them. Like them trying to pitch it, like squeeze him in in games one and two when he clearly wasn't right, just didn't make a lot of sense, you know. And I wonder to throw it to the other side of the coin with Dallas. Like I made this prediction earlier in the season. I'm like, I just feel like Dallas. Obviously, Luke is amazing. You know, I think we all have to acknowledge that at this point. He's, he's so it's ridiculous. Like, but he's one of the sort best of, five players maybe in the NBA. Yeah. And they realized it early too, where they're obviously they drafted him, but like they traded away Dennis Smith. They're like, we're just going to get this guy the ball and let him do everything. Just let him go. Yeah. But at the same time, I wonder if they limited their roster around him because there's not a lot of guys who could do a lot around him besides like playoff Luca, you know? So it's like, is this like a B plus supporting cast? That's never really going to get over the hump. Yeah. I wonder, I don't think so because I think he's good enough to take that jump. And like, if he had won this series himself or he does win this series, but but that was my, my prediction. Sorry to cut you off, but like my prediction early in the season, like, I feel like Luke is going to go out in the first round, like three or four years in a row, you know, maybe that's what Jordan did too. So that's what, yeah. And that's what LeBron did. Like you you have to beat the wizards, but like, you know, he's, they're playing good teams. I, I, uh, I think we've alluded to this a bunch, like about they have to decide whether Porzingis is, is it a bad fit with Luca? Is it not a good fit in general? Like, is he just not that good? Is he so bad defensively you can't overcome it and you'd rather kind of replace it with a better wing and have, you know, your bigs all be kind of Dwight Powell, like rim runner right. types. And I, and I don't know the answer, honestly, to that. You well, would if, assume. If, you, if the idea is go six, everyone six, eight, maybe just body type wise, a long, you know, stiff seven, three guy. It just doesn't work. It's it's weird. Like he was, I just think that it's, it's so hard for him in pick and roll because he is a rim protector. He's quite good at that, but like, he's also always banged up. And I don't know. I, I I just keep going back to like, who's the right fit next to Luca because he's so good. You just assume everybody is, but it's clearly, you know, he's their second option, not Tim Hardaway Jr. And I know people always talk about this, but like, we just haven't seen a situation where you're like, man, Porzingis is so good. You know, it just doesn't mm-hmm. happen that often. You're you, you watch him. He like, yeah. He doesn't have great games. Yeah. Like, you, you, you watch him and you're like, he's really skilled. And then you're like, but why can't he score? Like when you, you like literally with Dallas, they Jalen Brunson is like the only other guy that can create anything. It's like, if, if, if Luca doesn't right. have the ball or Luca's not on the court, like it, they're just like screwed. And it's, you know, it's, it, that's, it that's an interesting guy you mentioned because like on the broadcast they were saying Jalen Brunson or maybe it was on Twitter somebody was like reminds them a lot of young Kyle Lowry which is maybe mm. too high of praise but maybe like that but that's kind of what they need because if Porzingis is maybe he's not a bad player obviously maybe he's just like a third option and you need like that tough shot making guard and maybe it's Jalen Brunson on time I mean I, how old is he is he like a twenty four. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, he's going to get paid, I think, and probably by them. It's just it's it's interesting to see like what they'll do because because again, they certainly could win this series. It's two two as of us recording. They won both games in LA, and Clippers won both games in Dallas. It certainly feels like the Clippers have figured it out, and it does kind of feel like Luca a little bit is 
was like wilting and, and not in the sense that like he's playing badly. He was playing amazing. He's just playing a bunch of minutes and it looks like he's banged up and they have a bunch of bodies to throw at him. So I would expect the Clippers to win this series, but you know, especially if he is hurt, but it, it's interesting. The Clippers, Dallas will kind of look themselves in the mirror and be like, man, we had a chance to eliminate the Clippers. The Clippers, I think personally from a defensive standpoint, other than maybe the Lakers are probably the worst matchup for Dallas because they also want to play slow they also want to play in the half court, which we know Dallas wants to do. And so I think the Clippers are going to look and be like, man, this is a missed opportunity because, or I'm sorry, the Mavericks are going to look and say like, this was a missed opportunity. And it might cause them to, to really evaluate what they're doing with their second and third options. Because I think Hardaway's on a one-year deal, right? Porzingis has two years left. And so I don't know what the right move for them is because it's not like they can just like wave a magic wand and get, you know, Ben Simmons or Bradley Beal right. or somebody like that. Or Giannis, but, like that was always the theory. Right. And so I don't know what they'll do. They'll probably run it back and they'll probably, you know, they'll find a way to improve on the margins, but definitely feels like they miss Seth Curry a little bit when they need to make shots. Cause it, you know, is, not is been, the answer, this is kind of a sad answer. Like it's not a super young team. Like Luca's young, but he's like, he's 21. He probably acts like he's 26, right? Like he's very mature. Who's the oldest player on their roster, Zan? I, I have it open right now, but like of their top, you know, six guys, like they're all under 30. Yeah. Um, yeah. But they're all but, in that sort of 25, 27 yeah, like, year old range. When like 31 is now old, it, it, it's tough. When like right. Hardaway's 28, Maxi Kleba's 29. Like, you know, it's right. crazy. So they're to sort of built to win now. Is it, could you make the argument if you're Mark Cuban be like, okay, we're not young. We're like an average age team. Can we just wait out LeBron? Can we wait out quiet and eventually those guys will get old yeah. and it'll be our turn. And Luca will get better, right? But but this is also a team that's going to have a tougher time improving itself. Like you need to hit on like a Josh Green or like a Tyrell Terry or somebody like that because you know they, they have a pretty fortunate cap situation. But also like it's it's not a, just a straight like you add guys. Like if you're going to add guys, you're going to lose guys, right? And so like we're talking about Porzingis not being the right fit, and I don't know if he is or isn't. I, it, that that we've talked about this a lot, like who can you add that's better than Porzingis? Like if you let Tim Hardaway walk and somebody else pays him, like who are you adding that's better than Tim Hardaway? Cause Tim Hardaway is a credible NBA starting guard. Like, and we just assume everybody will be good near good around Luca. And I, I do feel like that's the case. He's 21. So we got a lot of years to see this, but you never know, you know? And, right. and I think, I, I think I, I would preach patience with them and just be like, yeah. and in a way, when you start making panic moves, it, it's like, it makes people think the situation's more, more and, desperate than it is. And I think that this sounds more like a post-mortem on the Clippers or on the Mavericks right. than it it's should. Too, too. But I do feel like the Mavericks don't have the personnel to play a very switchy small game unless Luca goes nuts. They need that. Like Luca's going to make their offense good no matter what. Right. And so I, the reason I'm more down on them is I, he just didn't look right on right. Sunday night. Like by the third quarter on Sunday, it was just like, man, this dude shouldn't, he just shouldn't be playing. Like you, you, you want to take him out and be like, man, maybe he'll be ready to go again by, you know, I think they play again Wednesday, but maybe he'll be ready to go again by then. Because and he's trying to cement the LeBron comparisons by missing a lot of free throws. Maybe it's just injury. Maybe it's he's really tired. weird, right? Him shooting 40% yeah. from the free throw line. He, I'll tell you what, though, like his shot making in games one to three, it's really it's really something. Because honestly, like when I went back and watched again, games two and three, I, I really do feel like Paul George and Kawhi guarded him plenty. Like I, everyone was saying, yeah. like, oh, don't switch, whatever. I honestly felt like they guarded him a lot. He just he he's so good at recognizing what the matchup is. Like when it's Marcus Morris, right? He knows like, or it's Zubach. He's like, all right, I can go by him. Like I can, I can play slower. I can get by him. I can get to the rim. I can get guys shots. But then when it's like 
Reggie Jackson or it's Kawhi or it's Paul George. He just like gets space and just makes jumpers. And it's like, and that's why I always do think of he's so smart. He's, this is a natural IQ or whatever. And I don't think it's natural. I mean, obviously it's natural, but I mean, it is somewhat natural. Yeah. But it, I think it's a testament to like, Hey, every you're in the youth circuit too, or you were, if you start training kids to be professionals with professional coaches when they're 15, like they're going to be smarter basketball players by the time they're 25. I mean, it's just like the smart way to go. If you, if your only goal is to develop basketball players. Yeah. And and again, and I think, like I said, this is Luca's the best player on the court. I I know Kawhi has been awesome, but it's in my opinion, like Luca's been better than him, but you can tell like the Clippers just, he just has more help. Like, they get to the rim. They're bigger. They rebound better from their from all their different positions. Like it's just so. A, you think if you switch players, that the Clippers would win? I think if Luca was on the Clippers, we probably wouldn't even be considering them. Like as a as like a oh man, like they might not win the title. Like I think Luca on the Clippers would be like I, I mean the Clippers are really good. They're definitely a title contender. But I I just think that like you you don't what I was saying before. I, I separately said this to you when we were talking about kind of like the Clippers Luke Kennard situation. Like, yeah. One of the problems with Kawhi, and, it, and there's not a lot of problems, obviously. He's one of the best 10 players in the league, and so maybe in the playoffs he's one of the best five. I, I, I don't know. It's close. A lot of those guys are pretty similar. But, like, the ball just sticks in his hand. So, like, he, he is a fantastic one-on-one scorer. Like, he is an unbelievable ISO scorer. It's ridiculous how big and strong he is. When he's making jumpers, he's, like, impossible to guard off the bounce. But, like, he, he doesn't create shots like you'd expect him to. Like no, it's just very like comparing Luca to LeBron feels fair. Comparing Kawhi to Durant feels fair. It's like two separate yeah, well, kinds well, honestly, of I think, players. I think it, it makes almost more sense to compare Kawhi and I've seen people do this. So I don't want to take credit for it, but it makes more sense to compare Kawhi to like Michael Jordan or Kobe. He's not as smooth and he's not as fun, beautiful to watch because he's much more like choppy in his movements. Right. But his style of play is, is much more similar to that. Like he, he gets, you know, three, four, five assists a game. Cause like you just have to, if you have the ball that much and you're like right. a relatively efficient player, but he's not the type of guy that's just like getting teammates open shots. And so for me, you know, I watch him play and I'm like, God, this dude is basically unstoppable. You know, he shoots 90% from the foul line. I think he's shooting like somewhere in the neighborhood of like 50% from three right now, but you can make him turn it over. Like you can get the ball out of his hands and make it hard for him. Like you can double him. And and, and you just like with Luca, you just got to hope that guy misses shots. You know what I mean? Cause he's always, it's the same thing with Harden to me. Like, and LeBron, they're just always getting guys good shots. And I just don't know how many other guys do that. You know, Jokic for sure is one of them. But it's like, I, I think Kawhi is a bit more guardable in that no, sense. Yeah. Well, and also he needs to hit. And he hits a lot. He's becoming nice. an amazing shooter. But he needs, if he's shooter, not, if he's yeah. missing shots, he's not as effective. And, and don't get me wrong. Like, Kawhi is a better defender than Luka. Like, there, it's an either-or situation here. But I, I just, from an offensive perspective, like... I, just I, I, I like the I like the Jordan comparison and maybe more old Jordan and old I guess this is old Kawhi because he's not Jordan I think when he's younger could attack a lot more than Kawhi yeah, attacks the, and gets to the line and the, the the interesting part for the Clippers for me and again I, I do fully expect them to win this series unless you know I don't know maybe Luca gets a cornerstone shot or something before the game and he's just like ready to go yeah. and just see because like because along with Jason Tatum, it's been very fun to watch. Like Tatum, you know, wins the game against the Nets in game three, basically by himself, scores 50, fantastic, makes every tough shot you can possibly see. And it's fun to watch like two young guys kind of announce their presence as like, hey, like we're good enough to win a series by ourselves if we can put together these performances back to back to back. And so that's well, and, fun. And with you mentioned something that, you know, I think the Clippers are win, but even if they lose in the next round, it's still like this guy is falling, right? Well, and even so if that's they lose I, to the Lakers. That's what I was going to say. Like, that was what I was getting to. Like, the, the Clippers are 
built to win now. Like we're talking about Dallas, but like you have Luka who's 21. So you're always feeling pretty good. Kawhi Leonard, 29, can opt out this offseason. We've heard about the rumors to Miami. I don't expect that to happen. I expect him to be back in L.A. Paul George is 30, but he's just starting this new extension. Reggie Jackson, 30. Batum's 32. Marcus Morris is 31. He's got three years left on his deal. Rondo's 34. Pat Bev's 32. Serge Ibaka's 31. I mean, those are major rotation players with the exception of, like, Zubac, who's 23 and is never going to be, you know, right. a superstar for them. So, like, if you are the Clippers and you, you let's say you beat Dallas in six or even you go to seven, like, do you really want to hang all these minutes on these guys? Then you got to go play a Utah team who's very good. And then, you know, I would have said if we recorded two days ago, I would have said you were probably going to play the Lakers. Now, now I'm not sure. Obviously, I, I think I, I think I'm still ex- expecting that. But when you talk about the skies falling, if they lose at any point, it's a failure. Right. Even in the finals, I would say. And. The Luke Kennard thing is like not important because he's been buried, but it is important, I think, because we were talking about like what's the consequence. And I agree. Yeah. I don't think Kawhi's leaving. I think he just it would look so bad if he just ditches them. Ty Lue just signed. He doesn't. Care, he doesn't care about that. But yeah, you're right. And I think it like it, there. There's some sort of disconnect. We've texted about it privately. Like you sign Luke Kennard, four year contract, thirteen million. You traded for him and then gave him an extension, thirteen million, fourteen million, fourteen million. Like. And then he's just not a fit, and he doesn't do play. You, do you know how many minutes he has played in this series through four games without looking? I don't. I haven't seen him a lot, so yeah, I can't four, imagine it's a lot. Four minutes. He played the last four minutes of the game last night. And, so, and he's somebody that I liked, and I think maybe analytics people liked because his stats were pretty good. His, his shooting numbers, numbers are still his good. numbers this year were pretty similar to his numbers. He shot 44% from three. You think he makes a lot of sense. It just hasn't really worked, and – Ty Lue burying somebody that you just paid 15 million for a year shows me that I don't know, maybe, you know, that's what makes me think like if, if this team fails, I think a new executive would come in. I think that's sort of yeah. like the, the, yeah. Cause it's not, it's not Ty Lue's fault, right? Like he, he can only, you know, he, it's his job to play the best roster for their opponent with the players that he has. And I think he's, he's so far done that. And it's interesting like to talk about them because I, the, the Lakers series is just so hard to talk about in my opinion. Like we know Luca is going to play game five for Dallas. He, he said that and I would expect him to play. And so I would assume, like I said, I think the Clippers I and mean, Charles Barkley said the Clippers were going to win four straight. And I, I feel sort of similar to him. I, it wouldn't be surprising if they won another game because we know they're capable of getting hot, but like the Lakers series to me, it, it, it's just so difficult to sort of break down because we don't know if Anthony Davis is going to play on Tuesday night. He, he sprained his knee in game three, played game four, got hurt right before halftime, strained his groin, didn't play in the second half. The Suns blew him out, tied the series at 2-2 to go back to Phoenix. But, I mean, obviously, like, the, the two biggest stories of this series have been Chris Paul's shoulder. He looked healthy in game four, finally. And then Anthony Davis's injuries. And if we don't know yeah. if he's going to play on Tuesday, like, here's the bottom line. If Anthony Davis doesn't play – the Suns should be favorites. If Anthony Davis plays and is close to a hundred percent, then I think the Lakers should be favorites, but I don't know how it's going to go. I, I worry about Anthony Davis. He's just all, I mean, Zan, it's like if Anthony Davis has some sort of ailment, it's like a guarantee that in the next game he plays, he's like limping at some point. It's, it's just like, and, and again, I'm not, I'm not saying he's not injured. I'm not saying he's not hurt, whatever. It's just that his availability is just so, you know, maybe the bubble was the aberration. And it's like, we're never going to see him be healthy for his six week playoff stretch again. I don't know, but 
it certainly doesn't look like even if he does play on Tuesday that he's going to be close to 100% because he looked very – I thought he looked very bad in the first half on Sunday, and then the injury happened and he didn't play. So I don't know why I'd expect him to look better in game – five if he plays on Tuesday night. Yeah. And this has been, well, you know, we didn't end up talking about the Clippers first, but this has been like the marquee series to me just because it's LeBron and it's been up and down, right? Like the Clippers. It's been chippy, like Phoenix is into it. Like it's it's like a twist and it's it's been been twists and turns. Like the Clippers, Lakers, Mavs, it's like, oh, the Mavs are going to win. Oh wait, no, the Clippers are going to win. Like that's pretty much it. We don't know. This series, either team could win for sure. I mean, I, I, yeah, but it's been like, it's like suns are up, suns are down, you know, Anthony Davis is hurt. LeBron has, you know, he can't see and Chris Paul shoulder told, problem. Chris Paul told Monty Williams, cut off my arm and I'm still going to play. Like, you know, come on now. I mean, like if the Chris Black Paul, Knight from Monty Python, right? If, These guys are really going to war. If if Chris Paul is healthy, like healthy-ish, like if, if Chris Paul turns in, you know, two or three more performances like we saw on Sunday, I would say – the sun should be slight favorites, even if Anthony Davis plays the next three games. And in I, my- I disagree. I mean, like Anthony Davis, and they didn't have KCP. I don't know if he's that's a big. Out. That's a huge loss. He he's the one that took the bar- bulk of the minutes on Devin Booker. So that's a big loss. And you know it's interesting because KCP, like the game maybe or two before he was hurt, he like looked really bad shooting. He was like over four, and then like I saw LeBron like talking to him. I thought encouraging him. Um, and now in hindsight, I'm like maybe he was injured. Because he like looked like he lost all confidence in himself. Yeah, I mean, the, the Lakers role players, like, I mean, nobody on the Lakers is shooting particularly well from three. And and we talked about this last year in the bubble. Like, we expected them to regress to like a normal three point shooting team, which they did. And you know, their defense stayed really, really solid. But KCP is one for thirteen from three. Kyle Kyle Kuzma, our favorite guy, is three for sixteen. Caruso four for thirteen. AD two for eleven. LeBron nine for twenty eight. You know, it's a little guys. scary, you know, and maybe this is just sort of Marcus all six for 10 booing that average. Right. Maybe this is revisionist history or whatever, because we, we praise the Clippers for adjusting their lineups and rotations. It's weird to me that the Lakers defending champs like still don't seem to really know their roles. I don't understand. Marcus all has very clearly been better than Andre Drummond. Like, yeah, he was very. He, he obviously had a huge turnover in, in, in the fourth quarter with like two minutes to go on Sunday. That was a killer. But he's made shots. He's shooting six for ten from three. You can tell when he's in the game. Like he runs dribble handoffs. He can create for other guys. Like defensively, he's much better at the rim than Andre Drummond is. I don't understand. If if Anthony Davis can't play, then it's a little different. If you play both, of them. right? But right. if Anthony Davis is healthy, like I don't understand why Andre Drummond is seeing more time than Marcus. I don't, I don't even know that there's any reason to ever play Andre Drummond. If Marcus saw is healthy. Like, I well, can, I think, I, I think you're five right. minutes a game, but like, but that's why, if, that's why I think the Lakers are the favorite. Cause those like adjustments are staring you in the face. And like every blog boy and Twitter person's like, Hey, let's play Marcus all. He can space the floor. Even the announcers are saying it every good, every like 12 year old who watches basketball is saying the same thing. And so I think they, if you told me that they were going to adjust and say, I think Vogel's better with LeBron personally than Schroeder in, in terms of a closing lineup, if everyone's healthy. So if you're playing Caruso, you're playing Marcus All as sort of like the three and D kind of role players. And then KCP, if he's healthy, and then you put him to those two stars, I think they're the better team. I think they're almost a title favorite at that point. 
And then you play Schroeder and, and Montrez Harrell maybe or Drummond off the bench. We, you know, add some star power off the bench, but I don't think they just fit with the stars. And then, and then here's, here's the other part about their roster, right? So Montrez Harrell plays 15 minutes in game one. DMPs in games two and three, and they win. He plays four minutes in game four. I would assume it would have been a DMP if Anthony Davis had stayed healthy. And then he, he sends the message about like the worst effing feeling is wasted time. And it's like, this is, this is why their roster building is bad because Trez like is a fine NBA player. We've been over this before. He's, he's a good player, but like when you have LeBron and you have Anthony Davis and your best, your best lineup is very clearly when those two guys are your biggest two dudes, there's no space for a guy like Trez to play. If you feel the need to play another five man, fine, but you want to play a five man that can space the floor a little bit. Trez doesn't guard. So he's, he can't stop DeAndre Ayton. And then you have to just run pick and rolls with him all the time. And, And we've talked about this on the show. Like, LeBron is not 27-year-old pick-and-roll LeBron anymore where he can just literally get turn the corner and get downhill and like get to the rim every time. He can do it a lot. He's still very, very good. But he's not that type of guy anymore. Like You can't just run spread pick-and-roll with him over and over and over again. He doesn't work that way. So like Tress has no role on the team in a series like this. There's no one for him to guard. There's no obvious role for him to play. And so now if you're the Lakers, all right, well, you can't play Tress. He's, he's done, right? We got Andre Drummond. There's no real role for Andre Drummond. Now he's done too. So now all of a sudden you're down to like seven dudes. And it's like, well, if if one of your guys gets hurt, if Anthony Davis gets hurt, then you're just like, you're just like screwed. And then LeBron has to win the games for you himself. And I was very impressed with LeBron the last couple of games. Yeah. I, you know, I, I commented on his ankle after game one and it, it gave up fine. at the last minute, but okay. He did. That's fine. He walked off. He's, you know, get a, get 45 seconds extra treatment. It'll be fine. But like, I just don't, if I'm the Lakers, you know, like Schroeder is fine. He's a he's a good player. They they have a role for him, but like they just have a bunch of guys. Like Teal and Horton Tucker's not playing. They played Ben Mecklemore early, which I think is probably fine. They should have some more shooting. Yeah. But like, I just again, like you said, like LeBron knows his role. Anthony Davis seems to know his role. Caruso definitely knows his role. And then like beyond that, right? And, it, and it's like the coaches don't know the, the. And I think like there's sort of like little flashpoints in this NBA season. If like you're writing the story of the season. Um, or at least the off season. And I think that, you know, the big one is still probably going to be James Harden, right? I mean, like a yeah, lot of people I mean, had the chance to trade for him. And if he wins the title on Brooklyn, everyone's going to be kicking themselves. Yeah. Um, a smaller one. We talked about like Bogdanovich. Is that important for Milwaukee? Um, and I think the Lakers, this Lakers Clippers, because these are the two like marquee teams in the West. Montrezl Harrell averaged 18 points a game on the Clippers last year. Won six man of the year, you know, major part of the team they didn't seem too interested in keeping him yeah there was like not no question about it they were just i, I mean i think they knew like they couldn't play him in the playoffs last year like and again, so, yeah it was like a great question like is this guy a huge benefit is he a liability and then you put him on your rival it's like you can it's like a science experiment like you know like is he does he help teams or hurt teams and right now he's he's not helping the lakers he, he definitely sure. helps in the regular season. Like it's definitely a guy that can win you some games. His energy is important, but like, you know, against the Suns, and then like, let's say, you know, he, he can't play against Portland, right. He can't play against Denver. Like, so like he can't guard Aaron Gordon. He can't guard Jokic that, you know, I, I guess in this series with like, and this is a better series too. Cause like Aiden's not really a rim protector and don't get me wrong. Like Aiden has been fantastic in the series. Like this has been a really good thing to see from Deandre Aiden that he can play a lot of minutes. Do you want to tell my joke that I had my Twitter joke? I thought was so funny. No, everybody can go to your Twitter to read your joke, but he does look very old. (laughs) No, the the premise is he's 22. He looks very old. 
And then they run these commercials all the time for that M. Night Shyamalan movie where the premise is there's a beach where you like get really old in like a day. And I said, that's where DeAndre grew up. Because he looks like 45. I mean, he has that Greg Oden face kind of. Oh, he does. He does. That is a very good comparison. But again, you're still, you know, 35 or 22, whatever age he is, you know, you're still getting 20 and 13 from him on, I mean, the guy's shooting 81% from the field. Like, again, still don't understand what's going on here. Like, you're playing five men. Like, why is DeAndre Aiden just going nuts? Like, I just don't, I, I, I don't know. I, you man. know what? Like, I'm a little scared. I'm a little, I don't know. What's the opposite of bullish? Bearish on the bearish. Suns, though. I love Aiden. I, I think he's really underrated just because he's not Luca. You know, if, if Luca didn't yeah, exist, you, people were talking about what Trey, a great Trey Young would be considered great right. too. Like, he is true. still considered great, but Aiden is the harder one to deal with. But you sure. know what scares me about the team in the long term and in the series? I just don't trust Jay Crowder's shot at all. It just looks like he's just like, you know, a 10 year old playing carnival games, just like throwing it wildly he is, at uh, the shooting, pins. He is shooting a rousing five for 28 from three in this series, though he did make two really big shots on Sunday. And as much as I love Mikel Bridges, like I don't totally trust his shot yet. Like it, it's just like a lot of arm. He is, uh, he is interesting. Like they, they, they closed with Tory Craig, you know, they, they, they I closed thought with Tory, all yeah. wings. And Cameron Johnson, who I really like his shot, I just don't really trust him defensively. And Torrey Craig, I actually liked. I think he, I'd like to see him more than some of these other guys, yeah, they, maybe Jake Crowder. They, they basically have buried Dario Saric. They played Frank Kaminsky early, but yeah, like when they needed to close games, it was like Booker, Crowder, Paul, Bridges, Torrey Craig, which I thought was really interesting because that's a good, you know, given the wing situation, you, you probably need Aiton if Anthony Davis is in the game. Although I, I think in an absolute pinch, you could have Crowder guard anthony davis and, and, yeah, and he could so. do okay because he's, he's he, you know he throws his body around like the good part about crowder is that like you know he's not afraid right and i understand that that can be to your detriment on offense but defensively like he wants to go at lebron like he wants to guard him he likes that reputation of like being a guy that can you know handle lebron which is you know he, he can but like not great you know he didn't do amazing when he was in utah like it's just they have wings but like Mikel bridges is a little bit thin you know, and by a little bit, I mean, he's a lot, he's really thin. So it's hard for him to guard LeBron, but Torrey Craig gives you another like pretty big wing defender. And again, if you, if you're Phoenix and you have hopes of making the NBA finals more than more, more likely than not, you're going to have to play, you know, Luca, or you're going to have to play Kawhi and Paul George, or, you know, Utah would be a little bit better because they don't really have a crazy wing score, but like you do need somebody to guard Donovan Mitchell, you know, and I think that right that that's what I mean when I scare in the long term for the Suns because I still expect Lakers Clippers honestly, but if it was let's say it was Phoenix Utah, like I think Utah's shooters I just trust a lot more yeah, than Utah. I, I think I agree with that, and I think that Phoenix for sure, you know, that this is outside of Chris Paul, you know, and Jay Crowder's thirty, but like their 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 players are young, like Booker's still twenty four and he's fantastic, and DeAndre Ayton's you know maybe thirty five or maybe twenty two. We'll go with what he's listed at, but you know, Mikael Bridges is twenty four, and so this is kind of an interesting team because again, Chris Paul has what one year left on his deal. He'll probably opt in. It's forty plus million. I don't know that he'd opt out and like go for. I mean, maybe he'll try to get like a three-year, thirty million, three-year like sixty you know million dollars or something. To think. But, Talk about like flashpoints in the season. If for the Suns, you know, you, you're totally right. Timeline-wise, Chris Paul might not make sense. Tyrese Halliburton sitting right there in the yeah, draft. Yeah, they drafted Jalen Smith. It just it, it makes no sense. Like it's, I mean, it, talk about how good of a fit Tyrese Halliburton would have been on this team. 
you don't need campaign. And here's the other thing. They are a little bit deeper too. Cause like campaigns and good for them. And then Javon Carter can play minutes if they need him to each one more can play some minutes if they need him to. But like, this is another team, like their, their timeline isn't exactly aligned either. So, you know, you kind of, you want, you really want to figure out a way to beat this Lakers team, especially when they're very clearly not at full strength. Right. I, I think, I think full strength, the Lakers are the best team in the West after watching this. Like, yeah, I tend it, to, well, I don't know. I'm the Clippers. If they, if they're healthy and that's what I think is going to be. Those two teams, those two teams. All right. right that's going to be the ultimate like Mexican standoff. It's like, cause the Clippers have found success going small. The Lakers should go small, but the Lakers don't. are going to go. The Lakers are going to go small. They did it. They did this last year too. They're going to go small. The problem is if Anthony, if Anthony Davis is hurt, then like, it doesn't right. matter what they do. You know what I mean? At some point you just don't have enough. You, know, you just don't have enough. Well, let's say, let's get like put your balls to the wall or whatever. Um, let's say Anthony Davis plays, but you know you're not sure what you're getting. Like, do you? Think, I would pick the Suns just because. Like, I, I, I don't. So you, know. The only reason what would make you take the Lakers if you knew that Anthony Davis was 100. I knew Anthony Davis was 100. I just don't trust the guy. Like, it's not, it's not his fault. Like, I just don't. Like, I think, you know, having seen Chris Paul shoot with a little bit more confidence and, and be able to make some shots and do a better job of getting, getting shots for guys. Like that makes me feel a lot better than Anthony Davis kind of just like gingerly figuring out like, all right, what am I going to do? Am I just shooting threes? Am I just shooting fadeaways? Like I, I, I don't think that the Suns sun should be favorites. I absolutely think both teams should be like plus hundred. I think, I think it should just be a total coin flip because I think game five is going to be really interesting because we haven't truly gotten a performance yet where it's like, you know, every once in a while you get those like LeBron knows he has to come out and dominate. And he did it last year in the first half against the Rockets, where it was like in the game three, I believe, where all of a sudden he just made every shot. And it's like, we haven't really seen that from LeBron just yet. And I, I would fully expect that game five is going to be, if if he's got it in him, then we'll see it in game five. Because I think game he knows, five is so crucial. Like, they have to win because you want to go back to L.A. with a chance to close it out. You don't want to have to come back to Phoenix. Well, no, I, I think it's crucial for Phoenix because, like, if they blow it somehow and look, they're capable. What if they just I, lose? Like, what if they just lose a game? Like, what if they just lose, like, 110 to 107? You know what it kind of reminds me of, though? I just It's such a vibe. This is nothing about basketball analysis. Um, That's good. That's what people want to hear. <laughs> when... The Warriors Houston series. They met how many times in a row in the playoffs? Like when Three they had Durant. And years. so they were really close one year. And then there was that year, I think Durant got hurt, right? And then um Durant got hurt in, Durant, Durant got hurt in game four. All right. And so they're like, Oh, this is the chance. This is the Houston's chance. And it was something still in like their DNA where it's like Houston's like, I we're not gonna win still. And <laughs> they still lost. And I feel that with Phoenix right now, where it's like, even if Anthony Davis isn't playing, I just don't know if they totally. It's a little different. It's a little different when you still have like three other Hall of Famers on your roster. Who knows? (laughs) Maybe Kyle Kuzma will make the Hall of Fame. I'm I'm not sure. He's been really bad in the series. But I Um, I feel like Phoenix is, because to me, like, whatever, it's 2 7. I mean, if you, the preseason started, you would have figured the Lakers would be 2 and Phoenix would be 7, right? And I still feel like, I still feel like that a little bit. Like they're a good team, but they're not. I don't think they're ready to contend for a title. And I think that's where the Lakers still are. All right. Two quick hitters on the Western, on the other two Western series. Uh, Jokic finally played a bad game on Saturday night, which was yeah. really surprising. He hasn't done that in forever. Uh, and I, I would say that if I'm Denver, I'm a little bit concerned. Uh, you know, you don't want to have to rely on Austin Rivers to bail you out in big spots, but they absolutely stole game three. And I, I wouldn't expect Jokic to play two bad games in a row. Uh, I, I do think Portland's very interesting in the sense that like Dame is really good and he played very poorly and they still were able to win game four. And so 
that series to me is probably the closest one. These teams have played each other a bunch. Uh, and and I, I don't know who's going to win. <laughs> I really don't have a feel for it. I don't think either one of these teams is capable of beating the Lakers or the Suns. I, I think Denver with yeah. Jamal Murray would be. I don't would, think would you, is it fair to call this like sort of the Atlanta Knicks of the West where it's like close, maybe, but yeah, not super I, I could relevant? See I could see that. Both these Damian teams are Lillard, good, Lillard won for 10 and they still won. Still yeah. plus 33 for himself individually. Norman, um, Norman Powell has been a good pickup for them. I know people were kind of like, what are they going to do without Gary Trent? But And then Denver, just, just for the record, like, I mean – they're playing Composo like 30 minutes a game. And, and yeah. it's not like he's a terrible player, but like, it's just, I think if you looked at Denver's roster right now and you're kind of like, this is the three seat, like what happened? Like Austin Rivers is playing 28 and a half minutes a game. wasn't even on their roster until a month ago. Like, it, you know what, like that, it, and this is going to be really insulting to the fine people of Denver and Portland, like two great fun cities. Um, It kind of, in a way, this series makes the Phoenix Lakers series feel more important yeah, because yeah. that's who they'll match up with, and I think either Phoenix or LA could beat these teams. Also, one other thing: Carmelo Anthony, like two very big games in a row with like very big shots down the stretch. So that's been but like what? How? I mean, that's the, the scary. Like you're relying on Carmelo, you're relying on Austin Rivers. Like these teams are just no, too thin. There's, there's there's definitely a problem for sure. And I think, like I said, we'll we'll do most most of the time when teams get eliminated, we'll do some post mortems on them. Uh, you know, whether it's the next time after we record. So. Either one of these teams will be interesting to talk about, but Portland's much more interesting in the offseason as they have been the last couple of years than Denver is. Cause I think with Denver, it's just like, all right, like we just need to make sure Jamal Murray's healthy. And then Utah, yeah. uh, they won two straight against Memphis. They look every bit of the one seed. Memphis is like, I, no, no real difference. Like Memphis is a very plucky eight seed, but with Donovan Mitchell healthy, I think it's just pretty obvious that. that yeah, I think Utah's going to win. And really you know what? I, I kind of read an interesting, I thought, a post by 538. Comp- Pairing Rudy Gobert's defense to like the best of all time in terms of blocking, you know, rim protection and you know, paint presence. I this is maybe controversial. I would have voted for Rudy Gobert top five for MVP. Like, oh I just God, don't do this. We're not going to talk about it. every time I talk about him being a legitimate MVP candidate. I get like Tal Bogare laughs in my face. No, I'm just it. saying, like, I, I did my ballot in my head. You want to hear it? It would have been, um, Jokic, number one, of course. Controversially, I guess, Giannis, number two. I think it's kind of obvious that he should have been number two. And then I would have said, I guess, Steph Curry, three, and then Embiid, four, because of missed time. And I think you, Gobert, number five. I think he's in maybe arguably number four. It's just like you can build a team around this guy. He might not score you 30 points a game in the final game, no, but, but it's very also, easy to build a team around him. Yeah, he's also incredibly important to what they do on offense. And again, like I said, I, I think – this has been a good series for for John Morant to kind of like really stake his claim as like, hey, I'm also going to be a superstar. And I I saw our guy, Coach David Thorpe, tweet that like we're going to see Ja versus Luca in the playoffs a bunch over the next ten years. And you know, assuming those two are going to be the two best players in in the Western Conference over the next couple of years. Well, and, and then the other argument for look at this. This is another one. Throw this one at on for size. Jokic didn't miss a game. Gobert played 71 games. This he plays year. all the time. Yeah. He plays yeah. So guys like Kawhi Leonard played 50 games and beat 50 games. I, I think there's know. a really credible argument that what Gobert does on the defensive end and how he allows the jazz to run their system. It, it makes him as valuable as anybody else. I think that's for sure. And, but he's never going to have the offensive numbers that you need. And you're not going to have somebody with MVP who averages like 17 points a game, right? right. Unless they're a point guard, right? You, you could see the Steve Nash thing, but it's not going to happen for Gobert. He just wins defensive player of the year every year. And it's fine. You know? 
Yeah. You know, I agree. That is sort of like the bone they throw to him. Unless like the Ben Simmons, like hype train nags it, but I still think Gobert will win. So yeah. No, I'm starting Gobert. to warm up to the idea of Utah and Philly though. It's like legitimate. Legitimate contenders. Yeah. Uh, Philly, like I said, we're not going to spend a lot of time on Philly. They play. Do you think Monday Brooklyn night. has a good offense or a bad offense? What's your take on that? All right. So you want to talk about Brooklyn before? I was, no, we don't have to. I mean, they're so freaking good. So like Brooklyn, so Brooklyn I, I alluded to this a little bit earlier, but Brooklyn loses game three. Jason Tatum goes crazy. Harden also had a, a spectacular game. And then, you know, they just they just play Sunday night and and all the Brooklyn big three does is go ahead and score 100. It's just, it's just stunning to me. I, like, I think they scored 104 points on like like like, four, like 60 shots or something i don't know i i, I don't have the it, box score open in front of it's me not just it's, hindsight but like james harden top five player available on the trade market and then so many teams are like oh right, we're so, good we're gonna hope so, tyler hero develops into right, an so 100 104 points for durant so durant has 42 irving has 39 harden has 23 uh and they scored 104 points on how many shots 32 56 shots well, I know maybe I'm fired up. I was like fighting on online on Reddit with some Miami Heat fan who tried to defend the move, being like, ah, so "We'll stupid. keep our flexibility in the future to make a title run." I'm like, "Where is James Harden coming from? Where's the next James Harden available?" Like, you take your chance, and you, you know what's interesting? It could be, it could be the third year in a row, possibly. Toronto makes a big swing, trades for Kawhi Leonard, wins the title. Yeah, the Lakers some shenanigans, trade for Anthony Davis, win the title. Yep. Brooklyn maybe trades for James Harden and wins a title. Like maybe the lesson here is go for it and not yeah, just be scared. I mean, it's just like, especially when you're ready to go for it. Like you, you've talked about this before with Brooklyn, but like, you know, all these guys were not on the team when Brooklyn was like rebuilding. Right. But you get yourself financial flexibility and you're able to do it. And I think that, you know, it, it really kind of stinks like Boston, you know, Kemba Walker doesn't play on Sunday. It's like, they're just, they would lose anyway. I would assume with Jalen Brown and Kemba Walker healthy, but it would be a much more fun series. Instead, it's just kind of like fun to watch guys make a bunch of shots. And like when Durant yeah. gets going, like uh, again, and he, he's guarded Jason Tatum for the majority of the, I, I would say he's guarded Jason Tatum about like 30 to 40% of the time in the series. And so like, that's been good to see, even though it got flamed on, on uh what was it Friday night? And that's going to happen against good scorers. Yeah. But like to watch him guard the other team's best perimeter player, and then also be as good as he's been on offense, like, I mean, Durant's numbers are ridiculous, man. He's averaging like 34 and 8 on like right. it's, it's almost hard. 90. I mean, the guy is just putting up. It's ridiculous. hard not to call him the best player. And it's, I, it's hard not to call him one of the best players ever to me. I mean, like, if you just look at like the skill set. I just think that I, I'm really interested to see like how he holds up over the playoffs. Because again, we haven't seen him play a huge volume of games. He, he looks healthy. He, he's, he's just an effortless scorer. It doesn't matter who you have. But, you know, the interesting thing with, with, the Nets, and again, I would expect them to close out Boston on uh, Tuesday night. I, I just would figure that's going to be the case. But so Jeff Green's out, you know, with this plantar fasciitis. And then Milwaukee has their own injury with Dante DiVincenzo, who, you know, is playing 30 minutes a night, tears a tendon in his foot, and he's out for the playoffs. Brooklyn hasn't really ruled out Jeff Green. They're going to reevaluate him. And I think they said 10 days originally. It's been about five days since that happened. But, you know, if you're Brooklyn – you really want Jeff Green, right? Because he does guard bigger wings, even though he's not great at it. And he also allows you to kind of stretch the floor in a way that Blake Griffin doesn't on the defensive end. But also, if you're Milwaukee, you want Dante DiVincenzo because he's going to guard Harden or Kyrie Irving. And now you don't have that guy. And so, like, yeah, Bryn yeah. Forbes goes crazy against Miami. But, like, do you really yeah, feel Bryn Forbes guarding Harden is going to be just, a problem. You just, like, don't. And, and so I think, you know, as you make these comments about the 76ers, 
I think these are big losses. I thought the Bucks sweeping Miami was quite a statement. And I thought watching Giannis play the way that he did and take the challenge to guard Jimmy Butler, I think that's good to see because that means we're going to see a lot of Giannis on like on Durant. We might see some Giannis on Harden and just let it happen. But the other thing with the Bucks that I thought was really good to see was like just they didn't really get bogged down in the half court. They kind of were like, we're going to take open shots right away. Their pace was much faster. Like, and I think that's really good to see. And so we, we might get to see like just seven epic games. It's amazing. I, you're right. Like I'd be, Milwaukee maybe understated. Like that's probably as impressive as a round one performance as you it's, can get. They just, they just beat the crap out of Miami. Like yeah, they the team just, that beat them the last year went to the finals. And they found had, a way to win the one game that Miami played well on offense. Brooklyn, or, uh, Milwaukee found a way to win anyway. And so like, I, I just feel, first of all, I'm angry that this is going to be a second round series. Cause like Philly deserves a lot of respect and I think they, they, they will earn it. But like, like this could be like the NBA finals, man. Yeah, like it's absolutely. so stupid. This is going to be exactly like those like Phoenix San Antonio series from back in the day where you just knew like that probably the winner of the conference is coming out of that series. And that's probably, well, that's what we've been, we've been harping on the last second half of the year. That one seed is so important in the East that you just don't want to, there's three really good teams. I just don't know. You don't have to be twice two of them. I just don't know if, if, if you can make Kyrie, like obviously he played bad in game three in Boston, then had a really good game four, but like the way that Harden is playing right now and like the role that he's embraced to just like spray the ball around and then get fouled when he needs to and whatever, like I truly don't know who can really stop Brooklyn unless you have like two or three, just like otherworldly shooting performances. I understand that they don't guard and I understand that Jason Tatum won a game against them, so like you'd expect it to happen. But Kyrie also played bad. It just feels like the, right. the big three on Brooklyn, like those guys. Not only can they get shots whenever they want, they're just getting open shots whenever they. It's it's insane. It's well, I, I just you know that's like I don't a get bigger it. Like, point. Like they might lose to Milwaukee. I, I don't. I haven't. They any, definitely could lose to Milwaukee. Yeah. They could lose to Philly. Like, but it shows you the difference. Like how much more important offense is than defense because, like let's say you're the worst wing defender and like, let's say you're Luke Kennard, you know, who can't get is minutes because his defense is bad. No, I don't know. Apparently he's Maybe so bad Anthony they won't Edwards. play him. But let's say you're guard, you know, Luke Kennard is guarding you. If he's the worst, you're not going to shoot the ball like Steph Curry because he's guarding you. Right. You know, like you're going to shoot like maybe 2% higher than you would normally. Yeah, you'll be better. That's right. You know, you're not going to shoot, you know, if, and conversely, if like, you know, Michael Kidd Gilchrist or somebody great is guarding you allegedly on defense, you know, whoever, like, it's not like Steph Curry is going to shoot badly. It's just like, it's it's a very minor difference. It'll be really interesting to see because like, obviously we talked about this with the Bucs before, but they they do match up pretty well with Brooklyn, like with everybody healthy. But the problem is now you're going to try to replace some of these minutes that like, you could have just pretty credibly put Drew Holiday and Harden for the entire game. Right. Yeah. And feel okay with DiVincenzo on Kyrie. And then we would have expected Kyrie (laughs) to have a better series. Right. Because Dante is a good defender. He is good. But now like you're going to try to replace some of those minutes. And now you stretch Drew a little bit thinner because he's going to have to guard the ball a bunch. And then like, you're going to have like Pat Connington and like Brent Forbes in the game. And like, that's okay. Those guys are good role players. But like, I would definitely, I would definitely put him on hard, and then hope Kyrie just like combines. No, I mean you have to do that. I think. Yeah. I, th- I honestly think you have to do that, and I think you can also put Middleton. Like somebody's got to guard Joe Harris, by the way, and somebody's got to guard yeah. Blake Griffin. Somebody's got to guard Claxton. Like Bruce Brown's going to play minutes. Like, but the problem is, like before, you had a very clear, like all right, thirty minutes a game. Like these are the matchups, right? Especially because they're going to have Giannis on on Durant, and it's going to be fun to watch because we don't. We don't typically see like the best two players on a team guard each other. It doesn't happen very often. 
especially because like LeBron so frequently ends up guarding like, you know, Matthew Delavidova or somebody. Well, you know what? Like I had a thought on this actually. We're going super long, but every the argument for this has always been gotta conserve energy, gotta conserve energy. And I don't buy it. I think honestly, I don't know. I, don't know. I think the primary motivation is that these guys don't want to get embarrassed. They don't oh, want because no one can really guard hard. No really that's guard. true, but guys know that though. Guys know that. I, I think know. that's true. That's my opinion. Let me ask you a question. Um, the, the the Nets currently have Durant shooting uh, 45.5%, Kyrie's shooting 46 or 38% from three, Harden shooting 45.5% from three, Joe Harris is shooting 53.5% from three. At the end of the playoffs, do you think that that foursome will shoot better or worse than 45% as a group? I mean, worse probably. That's a pretty high bar. But I mean, I think as a team, they shot forty percent. They're currently they are currently uh, forty one for. Let me see if I can do this math real quick in my head. Forty one for fifty. Forty one for eighty three. They are. Yeah, I mean, they're 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 literally forty one for like a hundred from three. So it's like they're forty one for ninety two from three as a as a unit right now. Those um, four. Any, any last thought? Oh, what about you? Have, <laughs> I'll give you. Choice option A. The last comment. Do you want to talk about how good Mayor of Easttown is? I don't which want to you talk haven't about seen. That. No, I finished it. I finished it. But, oh, you did finish it? Yeah, I finished it. This we watched the finale before we recorded. That's why I couldn't record. I needed you to give me thirty minutes because I had thirty minutes to go in the episode. Good show, right? Well, good... We didn't talk about the fans going crazy. I don't care. Just about explain that, that to me. I don't one care sentence. about that. Why? Don't why have fans gone run amok? I don't get that. I do want to talk. Do you want to talk about the Knicks for a quick second? Yeah. No. It's disappointing, I think, to watch the Knicks kind of crumble against a good team because it was so obvious to see coming that, like, when teams schemed to stop Julius Randle, like, the Knicks weren't going to be able to score. But I will say this. It is more fun to have the Knicks in the playoffs. I, I was kind of, like, being a grump and, like, a cynic about this, about, like, oh, man, the NBA is better if the Knicks are good. But it is better for the Knicks to be good. But the Knicks are not very good. they're They're just not they're not terrible but you know i feel bad because they got this four seed and like it's been fun to watch trey young he's an excellent villain and i think he will be a a very good villain for a couple of years and i think it will be really fun to watch Embiid and trey young play against each other but like i feel bad for julius Randle a little bit because it's not his fault but like this is just how the playoffs expose guys sometimes right and you know i I think we're not going to see julius Randle get the 250 million dollar deal i think we're going to see the like four years 120 which is good that's great money that's a great point i think it's very obvious in looking at julius Randle right now that unless you can find more help for him and probably a legitimate first option for him you know julius Randle all nba player amazing season but like this is kind of what people were waiting with the other shooter drop is like when teams scheme against you every single night, it's a lot harder to be the guy. And I think we're seeing that now. And the Knicks just don't, the Knicks just don't have, like, it's not, you know, it's not that they can't figure out a way to like get other guys shots. They just don't have enough talent to make it happen. Like literally their best player has been like Derek Rose, which is troubling to say the least. I'm like very like skeptical about their chances unless they like really shake up their team and then use this as sort of like the Nets pre Harden, I mean, pre, you know, mm, Kyrie and Durant are like, hey, come join our good foundation. But like this foundation is not going anywhere. I mean, they, they, they literally like, again, like Randall is, I mean, he's shooting 27% from the field. And, and again, I'm not, I'm not, you know, I, I don't want to say that like Randall stinks because he certainly doesn't. But like, this is what happens in the playoffs and it exposes like who's, 
truly a superstar, like who do you really get? And I, and I even think like, we'll see Trey young against the Sixers probably struggle in a very similar way because I, you know, the Knicks, they, they, they make it really hard for you, but like, I mean, you're looking at like Alec Burks and like Derek Rose are taking big shots for the Knicks. And like, that's just, you know, it's a fun story in the regular season, but the bottom line is like when you, and it's not even like taking big shots. It's like take the offense. Shots. Yeah. You know, it's like their offense is like Alec Burke, like do something here. They, they just, like, this is, this series has been faster than Dallas and, and the Clippers, which is interesting, but it's like the Knicks. I mean, they're, they're shooting like 46% as their e-field goal percentage. Like, well, and also it's interesting to me that like, the Knicks are just like clearly like out of answers because like Alfred yeah. Payton, who I don't think has been good, he was on my LVP yeah. column, uh, but he started sixty plus games, and then now he gets benched. It's like you clearly you should probably don't let, know. You what should you probably let him play against Trey to be, or honest. just not start him in the regular season. Like you're panicking that much that quickly shows me that like I don't know, you don't have the answer, or you don't. And you know, you, I, you, we we've talked a good bit about Travis Schlank on this podcast before, and kind of the decisions he made have been weird, but like. You know, John Collins was like a, a late first round pick, I think like 19th or 20th. Kevin Herter was a late first round pick. Those guys are good. DeAndre Hunter is going to be really good. He's, he's not having an amazing yeah. series. It's a tough series for him to play into given how the Knicks guard, but like DeAndre Hunter is really good. Like, you know, you get like any production out of Cam Reddish, who is just buried, obviously. Like, you know, the Knicks, or I mean, I'm sorry, the uh, the Hawks are interesting. I, I don't expect them to put up much of a fight against the 76ers. I, I just think the Sixers are, are much better. But like Trey, you know, Trey's really good. He's he's well, and super like Twitter's annoying. made a, a big thing about not them not picking on Trey enough defensively. The they Sixers can't. could do they, that. Yeah, like the Knicks. This this is this is my favorite thing about NBA Twitter, right? That it's like so obvious what the adjustment is. Like just go with Trey Young. Like all right, cool. Who's gonna do that? Are you right. throwing the ball to like freaking Kevin Knox and being like clear out one four? Like it doesn't <laughs> work that way. There's other people on the court. Like help defense exists. So like yeah, it's great. If you had Chris Paul or you had Brad Beal or you had, you know, Russell Westbrook, like those dudes could go at, you know, Trey Young. Like if you had Steph Curry, he'd flame Trey Young. But like it doesn't work that way. When like the Knicks are built around Julius Randle, you can't just say like, all right, Derrick Rose, like that's it. Go ahead, buddy. Like Derrick Rose is not going to score 35 a game and win you a series. Maybe in 2012. Not now. And so like, he can win you a few games, like a game or two. And I mean, they won a game, but like, you're yeah. not going to win a whole lot of games when you're scoring 99 points, like, especially against a team like the Hawks, who, I mean, the Hawks are the worst, the Wizards are the worst defensive team in the playoffs. The Wizards might be the worst defensive team to ever make the playoffs, but the Hawks are the worst defensive team that's going to advance. Like they're the worst defensive team the Knicks could have played and they can't score. So, you know, I, I, maybe they'll win, you know, I, I could see them winning. Yeah, they could game, win a game. Yeah. They could win game five in MSG when it's like jumping in there and it's fun, but like, this just is not this kind of exposes a little bit of the problem with the Eastern conference that like the Knicks were the four seed. And like, I mean, the Knicks are clearly worse than the eight teams that made the playoffs in the West, like very clearly worse. And, and, and more than likely they're worse than the wizards at full strength who are the eight seed. Well, and you talk about seeding mattering, like, Hey, Miami, you had a chance, try to get in there four or five. That would have maybe yeah, win, been, win a game, went around Boston. Same thing. You, you sagged to the bottom. You're going to get blown out. And I truly wonder we can do a quick postmortem on the heat if you want to go five minutes or no, you want to we gotta, save it. We got to end this. We got to. I want to hear your thought. You didn't love Mayor of East Town. Oh, I liked it. I thought it was very good. I thought um, the finale. I thought it was interesting. I don't. I don't know. Can we don't spoil it? But just sort of like. Yeah, I, I thought it was interesting beat. how quick. Oh, great. Yeah, a minus. There was one. There was one major thing about the plot that I did not like, 
Everything else I thought was good. I thought it's hard for, I think, shows to do cliffhangers like every episode and, right. and make it like ramp back up. So you're like really interested. And I thought they actually did a good job. I thought they packed a ton of story into seven episodes. I thought but it was here's, the, here's the, the evil twist. Tyler lives in East Town. I don't live in East Town, but they shot a lot of it in Aston, Pennsylvania. And I do live one town over from Aston, Pennsylvania. But uh, I don't. You kind of look like you would have been one of the suspects, to be honest. <laughs> Yeah, the they all had like mustache. that beard. Yeah, it's it's it's. Good. Where were you that night? Oh man, I was at uh, Frank Sheehy's engagement party. That was everybody's <laughs> getting alibi. drunk. That probably. was everybody's alibi. <laughs> I, I thought, I'll tell you what. I thought they did a really good job of. So it's it's Delaware County, but East Town currently East Town East Town is actually Chester County, but it's in Delaware County, which is where I live. And I thought they did a really good job of kind of showing. It makes it seem more like it like takes place not in 2020. This right. is not where I live. Like doesn't look like what East Town looks like. But there are areas that that are you know considerable smaller towns than where I live. And so, you know, I, I thought they made it. It was definitely a little bit of like hyperbole of like what Rust Belt type Pennsylvania looks like. But it definitely they did a, the accents were good. Like you know the Wawa stuff was really good. Like I, I mean they made it seem you know there's a place they mentioned several times Las Spadas hoagies like i go to that i had dinner at that place last night like i got takeout hoagies <laughs> from there so you know th- those types of places they did a good job i thought the detail and stuff was was very good and, and like i said i thought the show the storytelling you know that's more your speed than mine but i, right. I thought that this was the type of show hey I mean, there are very few shows i think you turn on and you put your phone down and you actually pay attention right like this was one of those shows where i thought like all right you put your phone down and you watch what's going on for an hour and you really got a lot from it I thought it was great. I, I mean, like, I didn't love the ending either. I wouldn't give that, like, stick the landing totally, but... Yeah, I they gave himself from, credit for sticking the landing. The guy even said, like, you want to stick the landing on a murder mystery. And yeah, I, and it's I really a little hard. Bit, it's really hard. Especially when, like... It's like a TV, episode, as a TV show, it's just so hard because everyone's watching every week comparing yeah. notes like they're investigators, you know? Episode, it did do the one... The one thing that really did annoy me, though, is, like... I, I like shows where you could actually follow along and you could, like, actually solve it based on things that right. happen... And there was a couple things in this that you don't find out until the seventh episode. So there's no way you would ever know. You know what I mean? And like that's but that that's what that's what makes it so hard to do a TV show. Because right. if it, especially if it's popular, you know. Did you think I mean the best episode? All right, of the let's show, let's end it. Let's take this off off camera. All right. Uh he is Zandrick. I want to ask you more about it, but we don't want to Zan underscore Ellison on Twitter and Reddit. Email the show Zandrickellison at gmail.com. We will be back uh to talk about the playoffs. They've been very fun so far. Uh I am as excited about a second round as I've been in, in forever. I think we're going to get some awesome series no matter who advances. Uh, I do selfishly hope the Lakers win because I, I really do want to see Lakers Clippers. Like I really, really want to yeah. see that. I don't know if we're going to get it. Phoenix is fun too, but uh, that's kind of it for me. So Zan, as always, buddy, Indeed. it's a pleasure. Thanks for listening to the underdog sports NBA show with your host, Tyler Laurie and Zandrick Ellison. Tune in next week for more NBA storylines and news. 